Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to another Oilfoot Basics Discover podcast episode. I'm your host, Derek Craig, and this is episode number 60. So today we're actually going to be talking about gas turbines again. Um, so please go back and definitely check out episode number 59, uh, where we kind of introduced the topics of, of gas turbines and talked about their applications and just, uh, you know, some basics on gas turbines and then today's episode we're going to be focusing on more of the support services for gas turbines so the maintenance kind of stuff so we've actually got this episode is going to be sponsored by impact operators and we've got their founder and president on the line today to talk us through all the different services that they offer and really help to give us a lot more of an idea of what all it takes to actually maintain and operate a natural gas turbine so Looking forward to getting more insight on this topic as we go forward. But before we dive in and actually uh, bring Taylor on the line here, just wanted to, again, thank everybody for tuning in. If you're new to the show, welcome. Uh, definitely go back again and check out our library of, of past episodes. We've covered all t- kinds of different topics. And also, too, guys, if any of you would like to be on our podcast as a potential guest, please reach out. You know, we look for you know people to talk about topics all across our industry so we can just have a greater awareness of kind of what each other do in the industry. And, uh, and why not? So please reach out to us. Definitely love to hear from you. And also as a general listener, I love it when people uh, reach out to me. I encourage you to leave a, a review on this podcast. It helps other people to find us. And then also too, uh, if you reach out to me, it helps, you know, we can get a conversation going. It's hard for me to know who's listening uh, from the metrics. The metrics on podcasts suck. So I really encourage you to reach out um, even just as a regular listener. Or if you want to actually uh, get on the podcast or know somebody who wants to be on the podcast, please reach out. But uh, definitely encourage that all the time and hope everybody's still doing well. Um, I'm recording this a couple of weeks ahead of release, so I'm sure prices will probably still be hanging kind of low and we'll still be battling our issues here. But hopefully everybody's still doing good. I know there's going to be a lot of people um, who've been laid off already at this point and then also by the time this episode comes out. So hope everybody's really keeping their head up. And then also, again, you know, it's really encouraging as you guys continue to listen, even in the, this downturn that you're still interested in in, in continuing education and, and continuing to learn uh, more and more about our industry and support our industry. So I uh, thank you for that. And Without further ado, definitely want to introduce the topic and, and get rolling on this. A lot to talk about today. Like I said, uh, this episode is sponsored by Impact Operators. I've got Taylor Kelly on the phone with me today. He's the founder and president. How you doing today? Hey, hey, doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it and honored to uh, be on the call and discuss this issue of uh, gas turbine service. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and again, I, I think this is definitely a, a perfect next step and i know we had talked about this literally just a couple of days ago i'm like hey i'm gonna be doing an episode on gas turbines kind of introducing it. it'd be great if we get you right after this and it actually worked out uh, perfectly that way so i'm really excited that these two episodes really lined up with each other and i think they're gonna really uh, complement each other for sure so i know we didn't get a whole lot of time to talk about uh, the maintenance side of things on the last episode and that kind of the overall conclusion was you know they're they're pretty good maintenance wise they don't require a whole lot um, but i think we can really get more in depth on, on that and really understand what they do require how it actually does differ from you know diesel engines or whatever and just really help to add to this perspective so really looking forward to it but i'd love to learn more about um your background now when we've talked previously you've got a really cool background and kind of how you got into turbines and you've been with them for a while so if you could kind of hit on that that'd be great yeah absolutely yeah so i graduated high school from a small east texas town and uh, joined the united states navy and uh, on the ship that i was on we had four lm2500 gas turbines for main propulsion and then we had three lm2500s that turned uh, small generators for the electricity of the ship Uh, so i have about uh, four years of experience of uh, working on these gas turbines and around them and uh, the operations of them 
And uh, when I got out of the Navy, I ended up work. I ended up getting on with uh, Mitsubishi Hitachi Power Systems, and uh, traveled out throughout the U.S. and South America, uh, working on uh, gas turbine frame units in the power plant industry. And um, I did that for about eight years. And so I've I've been with the. Uh, I've had a lot of experience with these gas turbines, with the aero derivatives, as well as the frame units on the industrial side of the power plants. And uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, it's definitely very interesting and a, and a challenge, and I'm, and I'm very glad to uh, see these gas turbines used in the oil and gas industry and, uh, you know, kind of kind of give us an opportunity to support them and to, uh, you know, continue doing, you know, what we like to do. And uh, that's that's kind of a little bit about, you know, a little bit about me, you know, and, and how, I'm, how I got, you know, supported, you know, basically got into the business. Yeah, no, for sure. I- yeah, and I think that'd be interesting too. To I mean, that's it's an interesting background for for sure. Um, but I guess you know one of the things you you mentioned, you know, frame units and aero uh, derivatives. I guess kind of add some context there for us because I'm not even sure what that's referring to. What's different, maybe about you know some of the other industries' applications, how we use it in oil and gas, or the the types of turbines that we use in oil and gas. You know, kind of add some context there for us if you wouldn't mind. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the aero derivatives, right, are going to be your smaller. Uh basically air derivative units, right? They're lighter, they're more horsepower, right? They're used more like in a mobile setting, right? So they're going to be on ships that are mobile. They're going to be put on semi-trailers. You know, they're, they're going to be using the mobile application. The frame units are going to be more of your industrial gas turbines, which they're going to be really, really big. Uh, they're going to be, you know, stationary. Basically, they're going to be welded to the floor and uh, in a power plant and uh, basically coupled up with the generator that's uh, stationary as well, you know, to, to provide power. Uh, that's that's a little bit of the difference. That's why the uh, these gas turbines in the oil and gas these gas turbines that are using the oil and gas it's it's uh, really good for these because they're mobile. So you know when you finish on one location, you can easily pack them up and move them to the next location and and set them up. And it's uh, you know at the end of the day, it's just a really big mobile generator. Okay, gotcha. No, and and then um, so I guess kind of how does all this lead into? Uh, so you obviously founded and, and now you're president of Impact Operators. I guess where does where does this kind of come into play, and what do you uh, what are you trying to do here with with Impact Operators? Yeah, so Impact Impact Operators was formed to support investment companies, right? So what, so basically what's happening is is that there's several investment companies that are interested and or buying these gas turbines and leasing them out. So what we're doing is we're basically supporting and operating the gas turbine investment for the investment company as they put them out on rent or lease. Uh, we operate them for the investment company basically to protect their investment. So uh, if somebody uh, you know buys a gas turbine and they have it packaged up and then uh, they find a customer, they rent that gas turbine out and then they utilize our service to basically protect their capital investment of the gas turbine. So uh, that's that's a little bit of how we how how we were you know basically put together and how we were formed and why we were formed mm-hmm. and uh, anyways it's kind of involved into a lot more uh, you know a lot more than uh, basically than than just the, the actual operational standpoint you know we uh, we're actually added some some services to our to our company and uh, you know we do operations we have. Uh, you know, we, we have a, a number of different services that we can talk about, but, yeah, the, sure. you know, Impact was formed basically to, you know, support these investment companies and these other companies alike that, you know, need support uh, as this gas turbine, is, as, this, as this gas turbine industry is, is new, you know, to the to the oil and gas industry, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, is this the, is this kind of, um, the, 
I guess the option that most um, most of the turbines and stuff that you see in the field. So if throughout out, you know working for operators or whatever, like uh, do you, is that how most of these are kind of structured deal wise? Is that they're coming from an investment? Or, you know, actually running them off of an investment company, or or do you see a lot of people going from uh, directly to the manufacturer and buying it outright, um, and then still might need a, serv- a company to come and and service them? Or I guess what kind of trends I guess do you see in that space right now? Yeah, we're seeing that in a, really in two different ways. You know, we're seeing these uh, these big big operator companies are actually uh, purchasing gas turbines and uh, packaging them up for whatever application, rather it be for electric frack or rather it be for the uh, micro grid system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're also seeing uh, you know it really just depends because these gas turbines vary in price. I mean, you know, you can have a thirty thirty megawatt unit which can be very significant in price and. Uh, you know, you can have a 1.8 megawatt unit, which is significantly less in price, uh, depending on the application. You know, if you're uh, compressing uh, natural gas in the field, you're going to use a smaller gas turbine. And, uh, you know, if you're uh, supplying power to, say, for example, seven drilling rigs or electric frack fleet, you're going to need the bigger turbine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of these uh, service companies or operators are, are buying these gas turbines and packaging them up. And, you know, uh, there's some, there's, uh, you know, also, the need too that you know if the company is not in a position to buy them or, or, or want to put the capital up, that these investment companies will basically buy the gas turbine and lease it to the service company or operator, whoever the uh, you know might have a need for it, and uh, put it put it out in service. Gotcha, gotcha. No, thank you for that. Thanks for that context there. And I guess you know back to impact and stuff too. Where are you guys um, actually stationed at right now? Are you uh, West Texas or or where yet? We're actually in Wichita Falls, Texas. We're about uh, three hours and 50 minutes from Midland, Odessa. <laughs> Someone's made that drive before. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not too bad of a drive. We're not too far away. Uh, you know, we're about uh, four and a half hours from Houston. So, you know, we're kind of, you know, I figure centrally located, you know, uh, you know, three to four hours away uh, either way. But, uh, you know, we like it here. And, uh, you know, it's it's not really too bad of a too bad of a drive either way to, conduct business yeah for sure so i guess kind of let's dive into you know the topic at hand here and start into trying to figure out you know what all you know what all needs maintenance on you know on these gas turbines and you know what kind of services need done to them and i guess i guess you can kind of start wherever you want to start with with this on on that topic okay yeah it it, kind of gets complicated you know but but in the end you'll you'll kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel though but so what so impact you know we're basically formed to support the investment companies right or operating company or basically anybody who who owns a gas turbine okay so Mm -hmm. you know these gas turbines depending on the environment that they're in right that it's very they they need water washes okay so they have an offline water wash and that's the service that we provide at impact and so you know if your gas turbine is sitting out and it's providing power for drilling rigs or electric frack fleet or if it's even set up on a microgrid system that the filter housing is is pretty good that they have on these machines but it's not a hundred percent so you're really sucking so this up is the a filter lot of for for what again the air filter, air filter or it's the air filter, yeah. So on these gas turbines, you kind of you have the gas turbine trailer, and then you also have basically the uh, the inlet, right, where the big air filter is, where it sucks in okay. air. But, yeah, you know. So basically, on a gas turbine, how it operates is, is with a Brayton cycle, okay, and it basically uses air as the working fluid inside the engine. So I mean, it takes you know vast volumes of air. Well, with the vast volumes of air <clears throat> that you're sucking in and adding fuel to, right, for a, a combustion. 
you know, you're going to have contaminants, airborne contaminants, you know, uh, get your compressor dirty, right? So with all that being said, these offline water washes are a great tool to basically help the overall efficiency of your unit, you know, keep your horsepower, you know, keep your unit burning, uh, you know, really good fuel and, um, you know, having really good emissions. And, and that's your kind of your overall goal is you want a great, you know, overall efficient unit. And with these water washes, they great help. They greatly help. So we offer that service. <clears throat> we also uh, offer a service which we call the uh, Terminator, which is uh, <laughs> kind of something that uh, it's going to be. Uh, it's kind of it's going to be real similar to a lease operator, a pumper, if you will. Uh, basically, a guy that goes out and checks the pumping unit. Uh, what we have is we have guys that uh, go out and check these gas turbines weekly. Uh, they have a little checklist that they go through and do uh, you know check the oil levels and. Uh, you know, make sure that the gas turbine is uh, operating correctly and that uh, checking the hours to make sure these turbines are basically maintenance by the hours and starts, okay? So, you know, on these bigger turbines, you know, 25,000 hours, you need to do an inspection, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or, or 1,250 starts, <clears throat> and that's on the bigger units. By starts, then, do you, know, you mean 50- just like like cycles, like you completely shut the unit down and then restarted it or, or what? That's correct, yeah. So, you know, if something happens, you know, you shut down and you start back up, that would count as one start. Uh, you know, and then, you know, if you do uh, 1,250 or 25,000 hours, which one comes first, you need to do a minor inspection. And then uh, <clears throat> when you when you get into the, uh, you know, 50,000 hours is a major inspection. And, uh, you know, I think it's uh, like 2,500 starts, something like that. Mm-hmm. is uh when you need to basically do a major inspection and uh, so that's kind of you know our terminator service is basically where we send a guy out he's kind of like a pumper you know and he, he checks all the uh the day-to-day operations of the gas turbine yeah. and uh, fills out a piece of paper and goes to the customer or the manufacturer whoever owns the turbine and uh basically just kind of makes sure that that everything's you know going good mm-hmm. and this uh, might be kind of a, a stupid question too but i guess what all because said you use it you know earlier you said you were talking about the brayton cycle you talked about you know using air as the primary you know fluid of the engine in a sense so i guess you know what all like fluids and stuff are being utilized in in a turbine okay so what happens is is that most of these turbines depending on what it is they have a like a you know a seven stage compressor or a six stage compressor or you know a lot of these bigger ones that have a 16 stage compressor and basically what happens is in the gas turbine you have uh, tons of uh you know, blades, right? And basically mm-hmm. when the air is pulled in through these blades, it's compressed, okay, with the atmospheric pressure. And so what you do is you add fuel to that and then you get combustion, right? And so <laughs> what happens is is that you pull the air in and then you add fuel with it and you get combustion. And that's basically how you get the the heat, basically is how you get the horsepower of the unit. So it's basically the, va- you know, it's, it's a huge volume of air that's pulled. These units use lots and lots of air, so they basically heat the air, and that's what gives you the consistent horsepower, the output shaft horsepower on these units. Okay. So when you talk about, like, checking fluids and stuff, though, I guess, like, what, what fluid levels and stuff do you have to check? The compressors yeah, have so fluid, I suppose? No, no, it's just the auxiliaries, right? So you have, you know, your gas, you have your turbine oil, which is one, right? And then you okay. have, you know... You have your generator hole. There's uh, there's lots of auxiliaries that support these gas turbines, you know. So, you know, if you go down and you decide that you're going to rent a, uh, you know, a Solar T60, 
then, uh, you know, it's usually going to come with an auxiliary, a black start, right? Because you have to have that black start, you know, started up to basically support your auxiliaries before uh, you can even get the gas turbine started. And then once the gas turbine gets started, then it, it can basically support itself. But uh, you have to have, you know, there's lots of, there's at least uh, one, one piece of equipment, a big generator, a black start to support the gas turbine uh, in many applications. Uh, a lot of the smaller gas turbines, it's not really needed. But a lot of the bigger ones, there there is. Okay, and how does that exactly help them uh, get started? Just by getting the fuel and air, like getting the mixtures right, it needs to get started, or what? Yeah, so I mean, you have to have oil pressure. There's lots of permissives that go into uh, getting these uh, gas turbines started. So uh, you know, you have to have oil pressure. You know, you have to have a certain level. You know, you have to have certain temperatures. Uh, you know, you have uh, you know crank cooling. You know, there's you know, it's, it's very complicated in the start sequence of these gas turbines and and uh, how they come together. Um, it's a, uh, you know, it, it moves. It, it basically comes in and it compresses air. Then the air is added to basically with fuel, right? And then you have igniters which ignite, and then that gives you your combustion. You mm. know, and then your combustion through, <clears throat> you know, your your thermal heat is basically which pushes all the air through the turbine, which gives you your output shaft horsepower. Rather, you're coupled up with the like uh, a generator or, you know, a, a pump of some sort or, you know, depending on whatever application. But, you know, in this type of application, it's going to be a generator. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, that's interesting. Yeah, see, th- these are all some of the little things that I was hoping to get out of this episode, just, f- you know, fully realize some of the, you know, all these little components even and just, you know, what all it, it takes to, to keep them running and to get them going, I guess, is even a bigger challenge than I thought it would be. So it's probably, what, a big, long list of startup procedure? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's basically a thermodynamic cycle, you know. I mean, that's basically the, you know, it's basically using air as a working fluid to, you know, basically get your out, output shaft horsepower. Uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a very simple, you know, but it's, there's a lot of physics involved mm-hmm. uh, in, in the process. Yeah, now I guess like, you know, and you, you mentioned like the, you know, inspections and whatnot after so many starts. And um, so I guess what, what are some common reasons that, you know, you'd be, cycling a, a turbine uh often or like why would i, I couldn't even hardly imagine someone getting up to that many starts unless they're literally transporting it or you know whatnot real often or i guess what what kind of things do you see people shutting down for to restart do you have to shut down for maintenance or i guess you know what what does that look like sure sure yeah so it depends on the application really so i mean if you're on a microgrid system and say you have a gas turbine i mean you're really only probably only going to bring that gas turbine down if like if something's really really bad wrong or yeah. you need to do maintenance. okay but if you're in an electric frack application i mean it's not uncommon for those to have you know two or three starts a day just because there's so many um things in the field as far as like these electric pumps you know these uh you know five to seven thousand horsepower electric pumps that are out you know doing pressure pumping and you have a, v- a vfd you know uh, go bad or a circuit board go bad i mean you know there's the, the elements are really really hard on the electronics in the field uh, the the frack water you know all the chemicals uh, all of that stuff is very very hard on those units on the <clears throat> on the electrical side of things okay. and so it's not uncommon to have shorts and uh, you know different things like that which cause the uh, the breaker to open on these gas turbines which in turn is going to overspeed the unit and you're going to have a shutdown so it's a uh, it's a very you know in, in electric frack application it's very common to uh, start and stop the units a lot just because of the pressure pumping. Okay. Uh, but, you know, you know, the micro grid, you know, the stationary, 
um, you know, they're just, they're basically just a, a mini power plant and, uh, there's really no, uh, there's really no, no need for them really to shut down unless you have maintenance or something really bad happens. But, you know, yeah. these aeroderivative turbines are very, very, very good about, uh, handling the changes in loads, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it's, uh, you know, you can go up and load very fast, uh, you know, uh, for example, if you have a gas turbine, I mean, it, it doesn't take but probably, I don't know, 15 minutes for the gas turbine to actually start up and come up to full load and be able to generate power. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're very, they're very fast uh, coming up. That's why they're so good in the oil and gas industry because, you know, they don't take very long to come up and be able to, you know, support electricity needs uh, mm-hmm. very, very quickly. And, uh, you know, there's a... So, but that's the difference between the applications, you know, so. Yeah. No, it's incredible how much, you know, like one single turbine can support, you know, how many, like crews or facilities or whatever, you know, that it can support. And you answered my next question I was going to throw out to you is, you know, how long does it take typically to get them started back up and whatnot? So. Yeah, it's very quick. I mean, they're very, very responsive. I mean, they're, they're very quick you know, to uh, put power on the grid. And that's why they work so good in the, you know, the electric frack application for one yeah. or, and also the micro grid, you know, as, as well. You know? Yeah. And I'm sure you can, and I, I think our, our previous guest had talked about, you know, even having some backup batteries, you know, if you're doing like a central location for micro, micro grid or whatever, you can have backup batteries, you know, if something happens or it goes down for a few minutes or whatever, do you see that application a lot too? Or well, a lot of times what happens is that you have the black start, right? So your black start is going to give you a 480, okay? So, you know, if your gas turbine does go down, then your black start is automatically going to start within, you know, say 30 or 45 seconds, probably quicker than that. So what happens is, is that uh, when the turbine goes down, the black start is going to start up. And uh, once it starts up, it's it's going to uh, start providing electricity to all your auxiliary pumps and everything and let your turbine basically shut down and, and cool down, you know, all in a sequence because it doesn't just uh, shut down and just come to a complete stop. There is a, uh, you know, depending on the stop, there's going to be a sequence that it goes through and, and uh, oh, okay. stuff that it goes through before it completely just shuts down. It, it's full, you know, it has to spool down because... Uh, you know, this gas turbine to run it at 3,600 RPMs, the bigger one. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, no, that's so the black start actually um, adds power, then it produces power too. It supports it, yeah. So, I mean, okay. a lot of your bigger gas turbines need that, yeah. So, your Solar T60, you know, if you were to rent one again, you, you would have a black start there to uh, support that. So, uh, you know, it helps you, you know, getting started up. You have to have it to get started up unless you have another uh, power source of some sort. But if you're in a remote area, you need that to start all your auxiliaries to support your gas turbine. And then once you have that, you have usually some sort of a switch gear that's attached to the turbine. Mm-hmm. And that kind of breaks down electricity, uh, you know, because your most of your gas turbine generators are going to generate 13.8. Okay. And that's going to, you know, basically run. That's Depending on you know what's what's needed or what application, of course that you know the the switch gear is going to change that. But uh, for the most part, you know all your auxiliaries on the gas turbine are going to be 480. Okay, gotcha. So I guess then um, another question I kind of wrote down when you were talking about you know the water washing and the you know, offline and whatnot. So whenever you're doing uh, the maintenance, you know do you like such as the water wash? Do you actually have to um, shut down the unit during the duration of that? I assume or, or what? Yeah, so there's two types of water washes. You can do an online water wash uh, or you can do an offline water wash. Uh, most of these mobile gas turbines are going to be set up more so for the offline water wash. So 
with that with that being said, what you would do is you would uh, do a normal stop on your gas turbine, bring everything down, wait for the turbine to cool down and get to temperature, and then you use uh, demineralized water and uh, detergent mixed together. And uh, there's some piping, supporting a pipe, piping that goes along with the gas turbine. Mm-hmm. And what you do is, uh, it, you, you know, you have a manual that tells you exactly, uh, you know, basically how many gallons per minute to put through the unit. And what it does is you put the uh, demineralized water and detergent through your turbine, through your blades. And it can it basically complete, you know, <clears throat> you give it about uh, five or ten minutes with that demineralized water and detergent to soak all those blades, you know, your compressors, right? Mm-hmm. And then, then you run through a rinse, you know, so then you rinse it, you know, four or five times or however many times it takes to get the, uh, the detergent out. Mm-hmm. And uh, once that happens and you go back in and you do some crank cooling, right, and kind of clean and blow all that water out. And okay. then you're ready to go. But, you know, when that compressor gets dirty, you know, you, you have all that heat. And then, you know, if you're in an electric frack application, you've got frack sand being sucked up. You know, it's just uh, you're going to have contaminants, okay? And, and that actually uh, gets the into the water turbine water. itself? or Yes, it does. And very, 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 very small micro, you know, it, it gets in the turbine. It gets dirty over time. So, hmm. you know, if this maintenance is not, you know, if it's not really, if it's not done a lot, then uh, you know you're going to see a, a, a you know a decrease an overall decrease in horsepower and efficiency of the unit. So mm-hmm. um, it's a, it's something that's very important and it's uh, something that's um, probably not really utilized as much as it should. Just just for the basic facts of the you know you having to be offline mm-hmm. and uh, also the capability of having the uh, the water wash skid to uh, to to uh, complete the service. Which at impact, we do have the capabilities and the water wash skid to complete this. And uh, so, you know, those, you know, I would, I would really, you know, these turbines, they, they are just like you said. There's, there's really not a lot of maintenance that that goes along with them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they can last for a long, long time. And uh, you know, the most important thing is, and our overall goal is to basically, you know, minimize the downtime and uh, basically protect the mechanical integrity of the machine. So, you know, any maintenance that we can provide or anything that we can look over, you know, to basically, you know, because these gas turbines are super, super expensive, okay? So, you know, it it only makes sense to have somebody uh, go out there and to keep up with the hours and to uh, do the maintenance and check the oil levels and stuff every so often just to keep you in warranty specs, right? So if you do have anything go wrong, you know, you can go back and have the documentation and say, hey, look, you know, this company, we've, we've been keeping up with the hours, we've been keeping up with the maintenance, you know, per your manual. Because, uh, you know, uh, depending on what turbine it is and, and what application, their manual is going to be different. So we have those manuals and we have that, that skill set to uh, basically manage that, uh, you know, that, that maintenance. Yeah. And now, uh, I guess, if you know, someone's out there trying to, you know, figure out a, a maintenance schedule or whatever, um, you know, for a tournament. So say they're supporting, you know, frac service or they have, you know, multiple production facilities, you know, running on a micro grid with this turbine and stuff. I guess, how do you suggest uh, someone or how would you even, you know, suggest that you balance when, you know, your, your maintenance responsibilities, right, under, under warranty and whatnot, and then also with actually, you know, planning planning your downtime, right? Because if, if you just had the one micro grid, or I'm sorry, the one turbine, um, how do you plan that outage and, and correlate that with the maintenance needs? Yeah, well, the the good thing about it is that of course these these turbines are mobile, right? And so in the oil in the oil field, depending on what's going on, you're you're always moving within a certain amount of time. So mm. you know it usually always works out that where you can you complete you can can't 
excuse me, you can complete this maintenance, you know, when you're when you're mobilizing, right, to a new location and you're setting up a new location or uh, or vice versa, you know. But if you're on a if you have a pad and you have uh, you know, say multiple gas turbines, I mean it's it's very easy to bring one down and uh, okay. you know, keep the other one on do maintenance on it and then just kinda of swap around and do that. But to go back to your question, you know, of the, the maintenance schedule, you know, when you buy one of these gas turbines, <clears throat> the manufacturer is gonna give you a bunch of paperwork and in that paperwork there's gonna be a maintenance schedule for this gas turbine. So, you know, you can either sign, you know, either do a, you know, a, a, a long-term service agreement uh, with these manufacturers, or you can hire a third party who's cheaper, who still has the knowledge, uh, you know, to do this and still be within your warranty spec. Uh, so it's just one of those, one of those things that it's not a secret uh, as far as the maintenance schedule goes. It's yeah. just uh, basically, you know, the cost of, you know, it, what it costs to complete the maintenance, yeah. you know inspections yeah no i guess another question i want to throw in here why we're still on kind of the, the water wash you know this kind of maintenance side of things too you know how drastically um you know does the environment you know that this turbine in is sitting in you know how, how drastically does that change it um and also to i guess even environment wise you know i guess even the the fuel composition as well as where it physically is and the temperatures and you know just you know like you said the sand or whatever if you're on a frack side or whatever i guess uh, what all big, how big, how, how much does that impact everything? Yeah. So, I mean, if you have a dirty compressor, you're going to see it in your horsepower, uh, you know, right away. And okay. so one of the ways, one of the ways to do that is to basically do the water wash and, uh, you know, clean your compressor. You know, if you, if you go in there and uh, you clean the compressor, I mean, you could easily see 20 or 20% more uh, overall efficiency of the unit uh, after the water wash. I mean, it's, it's a difference between night and day. You know, water washes are, are basically, they're not, you know, most of the water washes are done right, right at commissioning, right? So you have, a you know, an outage or, you know, a brand-new turbine that's just been put together and put into the field. Uh, you know, they recommend doing a water wash right out of that because as it all goes together, you have solvents and oils, you know, that when you're putting all these parts together, you know, actually get on the compressor and basically makes it sticky. So if there's any airborne contaminants that do make it past the filter housing, they're definitely going to stick on the compressor and get dirty. So, you know, you if you if you go to the manufacturer and you buy a brand new turbine, you know, I recommend that you do a water wash right out of the gate, basically clean that compressor, get it clean, and then, you know, stay on top of it, you know, every 250 or 300 hours, you know, depending on what environment that you're in. Yeah, and uh, you know, okay. if you do that, you can definitely maintain and and uh, you know extend the the shelf life of your gas turbine. I mean, you can you know if you take care of it, I mean, these things can they can last ten, fifteen, even twenty years. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Everything overall, <laughs> everything I've heard about uh, these turbines, pretty impressive. So, but yeah, I yeah, guess they're really, kind of, they're oh, really go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, they're they're they're, they're really really robust. Uh, you know, very reliable gas turbines. I mean, they're, they're, they're really good. Yeah. Now I guess kind of, you know, beyond the, you know, the water washes and, you know, checking the, the fluids and whatnot and, you know, the, the what you guys offer with the, the, the turbinator, you go on the, the operator, basically turbine operator and, and whatnot. But I guess what all um, else do you guys um, offer kind of, you know, in this, in this realm of support services that kind of helps to give us a better idea of, you know, what all it takes uh, to, to keep these turbines running. Sure, sure. Yeah. So we're working with the, with the company uh, doing some remote monitoring, right? So you can uh, monitor these gas turbines from afar. Uh, and, 
you know, with that being said, the, the, the Terminator service where, you know, you go out and check the, the gas turbine, which is always good to send a guy out to just kind of, you know, look, look at everything and make sure that everything's, you know, going good. But we also, we, we, we offer a technical field advising, uh, the setup and commissioning of gas turbines. So if you have, uh, you know, if you buy a new gas turbine and uh, you need help with uh, basically setting it up or commissioning the unit or, you know, kind of being a part of, you know, getting everything started and stuff. We have consultants, basically, we call them technical field advisors, guys that go out to the field and kind of oversee the project and uh, make recommendations on, uh, you know, how, how you know, which way it's going to work better and kind of give the uh, the company some direction if they need it on uh, on how to work. And then the, uh, the other biggest service that we have, which we started, was this, basically the gas turbine operator. So a lot of these big gas turbines, I mean, they – they definitely need some, uh, you know, manpower to operate, you know, because, you know, you, you think of it as basically a mini power plant. So, most yeah. all, you know, all, all your power plants in the U.S. and South America are manned by a control room. And you have, uh, you know, anywhere from five to six uh, power plant operators, you know, and they're monitoring all the gas turbines and all the auxiliaries and, uh, you know, everything that makes a power plant work. Uh, these these uh, mini power plants, microgrids, uh, especially the electric frac application, you have to have somebody in these uh, <clears throat> in these gas turbines, man, monitoring and and uh, you know make, making recommendations and uh, you know monitoring the gas turbine is a, is a big thing. So we supply those operators. You know, even if you have your operators, uh, we're finding that a lot of these uh, a lot of these companies are not not wanting or not really knowing how or where to find the talent to uh, operate these gas turbines yeah and uh, we have, we have a lot of connections and with my background I, I know a lot of guys that have the knowledge to uh, operate these gas turbines and uh you know basically we want to go out and uh, you know operate support the gas turbine operations yeah rather be well, if your gas turbines are on you know if you got your gas turbine operators on vacation or he's sick or you know you don't want to hire another guy or you know, whatever the case may may be, that we can come in and fill in and basically fill the gap, and you know, you know, basically just support the operation. Yeah. You know, no, yeah. And so you've talked about remote monitoring. You talked about you know having people on site to monitor, right? So I guess kind of what are the things um, when you talk about monitoring? What are you monitoring? I assume horsepower is one that we've kind of hit on. So I assume horsepower, you know, load, or I guess you know what are what are some of these factors that you're looking for? Yeah, depending on the application. I mean, one of the things you're going to be, uh, you know, monitoring is going to be your emissions. You know, your exhaust, your exhaust gas is what you're putting into the environment. Uh, you know, you're going to be uh, monitoring your gas flow. You know, your your gas condition. Uh, you know, if you <clears throat> if you don't have good gas, you're going to you know use more gas. Uh, you you know you're going to have higher higher heat rates. Um, you know, also going to be checking the oil levels, uh, the bearing temps. Um, you know. Basically, just making sure that the overall operation of the machine is uh, operating correctly. Uh, these machines, I mean, if you can catch, if you can monitor them and then catch anything that could be going wrong and shut the unit down, you can really save a lot of money, you know, as opposed to uh, putting them out there and running them just like a regular generator. And, and if something happens and it tears up, I mean, you, you could be at a loss for, you know, several million dollars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I guess, you know, one of the things that you, you hit on, you hit on emissions and that's one, one of the things where after we stopped recording the previous episode, uh, with Justin Lippman, we said right after we started recording, he's like, oh, we should have hit on emissions. And I guess, you know, what can you say in terms of emissions of, of these units? I mean, this, like I said, we haven't really covered anything regarding emissions. So 
I get, you know, what is it that, that you guys look for? And then also overall emission wise, how does, how does, you know, a gas turbine compare to other solutions? Yeah. So your gas turbine is going to make NOx and CO. Uh, there, there's different ways and they are actually using uh, water injection into the exhaust to uh, basically knock out some of those emissions. Uh, your exhaust on your gas turbine, you know, are super, super hot. And uh, they're, they're working on different ways to, uh, you know, inject ammonia uh, to, uh, you know, knock out a lot of that NOx and that CO. But, you know, really and truly at the end of the day, I mean, they're more, they're more environmental friendly than a, you know, a diesel engine or reciprocating engine. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're hardly none. So, I mean, when they inject the water and they talk about doing uh, ammonia injection, uh, they're basically just trying to bring the emissions down to zero percent, you know, oh, wow. and uh, that's that's their main goal is to basically not have any, if 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 any, just maybe just a one or two percent, you know, slip. Oh wow, no, that's pretty impressive. So I mean, whenever you're doing that type of injection, I guess do you just have like a, a contaminating fluid, or like does it get recycled to the system? Or I know we're kind of getting a little bit outside of the scope here, um, but I'm just curious because it sounds like you you've had some dealings with this. Yeah, so what, what it's a sensor, it's a catalyst that goes into the exhaust. So uh, basically, it has a uh, you know a sensor on it of some sort, and it measures whatever the the NOx or the CO is. Mm-hmm. And what it does, it goes back to a, a small computer, and uh, it basically calculates what it needs, and it might spray two gallons of ammonia to knock out whatever the uh, the emissions is that they're trying to reduce. Okay. And then uh, you know basically when it gets when it gets back right, you know, so it also has to do, you know, fuel quality has a lot to do with the emission as well. And then also too, you know, if you're, if your unit, you know, if your unit is operating, you know, really efficient and it's, it's burning really clean, then your emissions would be, you know, almost nothing. But, you know, if you have a dirty compressor and you're having to burn a lot more gas to get the horsepower that you need, then you're, you know, of course you're going to be basically having a lot more uh, emissions, you know, than, than would be if you had a a clean compressor. Is it just not like, not a very complete uh, combustion or what? Yeah, because you have a bunch of like uh, unburned fuel, right? Because you have so much, you're having to put so much fuel, you know, into the turbine to get the horsepower that you need just because it's just not, it's not, Gotcha. With the physics, it's not it's not really uh, you know doing its job efficiently like it should be. You know yeah. it's it's restrained. Okay. So you have a higher heat rate, you know, so that your fuel is burning hotter, which is giving you a hotter you know exhaust exhaust temp. Okay. And, uh, gotcha. Really just kind of throws the kink and everything. Yeah. Now the other thing I wanted to ask you about, um, you mentioned you know the, the technical field advisors and stuff that you guys offer and, and offering your advice and set up a mobilization and and whatnot. I guess kind of give us a little bit of insight into that part of, of this entire process, right? So I mean, I guess you know what are the, some of the you know basic things you would ask or look for? I mean, just give us some insight on on some of the advisory stuff that you guys do. Sure, sure, sure. So before you can uh, put a gas turbine out in the field, you have to have a gas analysis, uh, you know, so that's something that you have to uh, basically take and find out exactly, you know, what kind of gas you're dealing with. And then, you know, once you find out what kind of gas you're dealing with and you can figure out, you know, exactly what kind of type of uh, gas processing plant, you know, uh, they're usually mobile gas skids of some sort that uh, basically clean the gas or, you know, uh, you know, knock the water out or, or whatever the case may be and once you kind of get that figured out then you can supply your gas turbine <clears throat> and then also you know when it comes to uh you know commissioning the unit you know starting the unit up and running it and uh, getting all making sure that all your parameters are are in line and in spec is, an, is another part of that and then uh you know also <clears throat> you know 
setting up and, uh, you know, helping with the support, you know, do we need, you know, what, what do we need? What do we not need? Uh, you know, type of thing. If, uh, you know, depending on also the ambient air temperature, where, where the unit is, you know, or, uh, you know, the elevation also has a lot to do with the, uh, the, the horsepower output of these gas turbines as well. So there's lots of things that you can be, you can very, it can get very complicated really quick depending on where these turbines are set up. And so, you know, as the, uh, as the consultant or the technical field advisor, we'll make recommendations that we can make in the turbine control to get the, the, the max efficiency out of this unit. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And I guess, um, do you see a lot of variation, um, overall with, uh, like even just, you know, all the different maintenances and stuff across the different applications? Um, so, I mean, so you just, you just mentioned too, like you talked about different elevation stuff. Like, do you see a lot of variation there or is it all pretty much the same? Oh, it's, it, it varies a lot. You know, I mean, they, they commission these levels at sea level at say like a 59 degrees. Okay. So, you know, when you, when you have a gas turbine and you put it out in West Texas in the middle of summer, and I'm not sure what the elevation would be depending on if you're, you know, you know, out in the middle of Odessa or Kermit or into New Mexico, but, uh, you know, you know, the heat's going to be there, you know, you're going to be a hundred, 110 degrees on a, on a hot summer day. And, uh, you know, that, that's really tough on those units, you know, they, uh, it's not really tough on them, you know, as far as, you know, you know, making a point where they could, you know, basically break down or anything, but it makes it really hard to compress that air, right? Because it's so hot and then your unit's already so hot, you kind of lose more efficiency, right? You lose horsepower. So, you know, with that being said, most of your power plants, you know, they have uh, cooling towers, you know, where they basically have coolers where they cool the air going into the turbine, <clears throat> you know, to basically help or they have steam cooling or different types in the power plant, you know, but with these mobile gas turbines, you don't have that capability. So, you know, there's a lot of times, you know, uh, when it's really cold outside, that's that's when you get your most max power is when it's cold. Uh, but when it's hot, I mean, you definitely lack a horsepower <clears throat> and that's, Another reason that your your water wash is so important because you're you're actually going to get more horsepower on a hotter day if you have a clean compressor than if you would if it was a super hot day and you have a dirty compressor you're really going to be inefficient. Yeah, no, and that's interesting to even think about too because a lot of times you think everything's harder to operate when it's cold, but it seems like it's kind of the opposite here. And and then it's, it's interesting too, like like you said that. Um, the power plant stuff have you know like the cooling tower and whatnot and that's one of the interesting things it's interesting to to see what the differences are you know like you know across like the like we're talking about like you know the framing of something that's you know there all the time and you can really like really really go for efficiency where i guess it kind of sounds like in our applications specifically you know on the mobile side in oil and gas it's it's not so much uh focus on a, a full efficiency as much as it is um what probably just uh, maintaining um the the needs right yeah that's exactly right so i mean you know gas turbines i mean they've they've been in the power plant since the 1940s you know uh these these mobile gas turbines have been around for a long time as well but they've really been kind of into you know stationary uh applications right in the oil and gas industry, you know, we're, we're using them as kind of a, uh, you know, a, a quick mobilization. So, you know, you might be on location, say, for, you know, say three weeks or say 30 days and you're packing up and moving, right? So, and also the power plants, you know, they're, they're stationary and so they can have, you know, and they also have that technology 
and they can build the uh, the cooling towers and have all the supporting equipment because I mean they're not going anywhere they're they're built there. Uh, these uh, mobile gas turbines are, are built to mobilize. So, you know, the supporting equipment, you know, like this water wash skid <clears throat> in a power plant, the water wash equipment is going to be built in piping into the power plant. Okay. Oh, wow. uh, with these, yeah, with these uh, water washes, with these uh, mobile gas turbines, you know, in the oil and gas industry is going to be a skid that goes in a trailer on the back of a truck that has to go out to the turbine yeah. and uh, com- conduct this maintenance. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, there's there's lots of differences uh you know, these gas turbines being used in the oil and gas industry are are fairly new. And uh, I think that over the years, over the upcoming years in the future, there's going to be lots of uh, new breakthroughs and, and ways that they're going to uh, come up with as far as uh, to really knock out all the emissions and to also, you know, keep them, uh, you know, have other supporting equipment to, you know, you know battle mm-hmm. that, that ambient air temperature. Yeah. And uh, we're going to see a lot of really uh, – yeah, it's just, it's just really cool because the, these gas turbines using the oil and gas, I mean, there there's tons and tons of opportunities, you know, to support these things in many different ways. And uh, there's always ways to improve them. And uh, I think it's really going to take hold. And they're super efficient, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, your your oil and gas company can, you know, be a electric provider as, as well as, a, a you know, an oil and gas company as well. So yeah. it gives them a little bit of diversity and uh, further investment. And, uh, you know, overall, I think it's great. Yeah. And I, I alluded to that on the the previous episode too. It's like, I'd like to see more kind of outside the box thinking, um, from EMPs, you know, about actually producing electricity, um, as a commodity from some of the, especially in the Permian, right. Where we're just trying, trying to get rid of the gas. Um, I think that's an interesting perspective to kind of dig into. And this definitely you use utilizing turbine, not only for your own field operations, but then also potential, potential to sell into the grid is pretty interesting at, at the very least, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in the power plants, you know, you're you're constantly trying to uh, contract gas, right? Vice versa, what 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 you're contracting your power for, right? Mm. But in the oil and gas industry, you have basically almost a free fuel source you yeah. know, to some degree. Yeah. So, I mean, depending on what you can get, you know, for your electric, for your for your power that you're providing, you know, is a is is a pretty bar is a pretty good bargain in my book, you know. Yeah. And do you see much, you know, on, on the, and we haven't talked hardly anything on infrastructure and I know that's kind of outside the scope of this episode, but from your perspective and just your background and went on, would you say that it takes a lot of infrastructure is very infrastructure heavy to, to be able to have some of those applications? Like if you wanted to sell into the grid or build out a, you know, a microgrid yourself, I guess, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I don't think so at all. I think that, uh, you know, for the investment, I mean, you can set up a turbine, have it commissioned, and then put some of this uh, remote monitoring uh, equipment on your gas turbine and monitor it from afar and uh, basically support your oil, your oil field application, you know, your yeah. oil and gas, uh, open units or SWD, whatever the case may be. And then if you have leftover power or, you know, something's down, then you can take uh, that power and uh, put it back on the grid and, uh, you know, get paid back for, you know, the extra power that you're producing. Yeah, so, no, that's I mean, it's, interesting. It's, yeah, it's great. You know, and uh, just a, it's a really good deal. You know, and for you know the cost, the cost, you know, is, is upfront is is very is no very capital intensive. But you know, five or six years down the road, you know, and yeah, you know, say for example, we we're going through this downturn right now. I mean, you could you know potentially shut your wells in and basically start producing electricity, and uh, you know have a little bit of diversity in your company. Yeah, no, that's interesting. 
Well, I guess, you know, what all, what other things do you have on your, your mind? You definitely wanted to mention on, the, on this episode. And I think, did you have any other services or um, any other comments, I guess, as we finish start wrapping up here? Yeah, that's really about it. So, you know, a lot of times that uh, compressed natural gas is something that uh, is uh, is something that it's needed to support uh, these gas turbines. I know we, we talked a little bit about fuel, but, you know, sometimes the BTUs and the uh, wellhead gas is very inconsistent. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're working with some guys uh, in the compressed natural gas business to, uh, you know, support some of these gas turbines in the field. So basically, instead of having to, uh, you know, buy from a, a commercial retailer who sells a CNG, that uh, you can actually compress your own wellhead gas into CNG and to support your gas turbine operations. So, I mean, that's definitely something that, uh, you know, we're looking, we're looking to work with people on and to, uh, you know, kind of try to get into that, that type of the, or that side of the business as well. Gotcha. Yeah. So thanks, thanks again for, for all this insight and everything. And I guess, you know, if someone's out there um, who, who's finding themselves in this situation or is going to be, you know, thinking about expanding, you know, the gas turbine side of, or, or utilizing gas turbines, right. Or whatever application um, and wanting to, you know, get in touch with you or maybe use some of your services or whatever, I guess, where would you point them to? And I guess what information or advice do you have for them? Yeah. Yeah. So you can find us on LinkedIn. If anybody has any uh, questions or, you know, wants any information on any gas turbines, we have a lot of connections that, uh, that basically sell gas turbines uh, and the supporting equipment as well as uh, lease these gas turbines as well. Uh, so we can definitely point you in the right direction, uh, when it comes to, uh, that, that type of service. And then, uh, also to, uh, you know, you can find us on link. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, my website is www.impactoperators.com. And then again, on LinkedIn, Taylor Kelly, and then you can find Impact Operators. My goal is to try to get 1,000 likes by the end of the year. <laughs> there on we our, go. On our page. So uh, everybody go on there, check it out, and uh, give, me a, give me a like and maybe a share. And, uh, you know, you guys can reach my office uh, if you need to at 940-264-7509. And I'm usually in my office uh, every weekday and, uh, you know, just trying to support the uh, the gas turbine service, you know, in any, in any way. And, it, and if we can't support you, we know somebody who can. I mean, we have a lot of connections and a lot of people that – a lot of resources that deal in this directly. So Yeah. No, awesome. That sounds good. And, and I, I really appreciate And <laughs> also, again, back to the way, you know, the way that this episode lined out right behind, you know, kind of the introductory episode that I think this is great material to cover. And I would encourage to, you know, if you or anybody um, listening even has um, further suggestions on, you know, how to kind of further guests, I guess, for kind of the, the turbine theme, right? Mm-hmm. There's still other areas that we want to cover or you'd like to hear more about, please let me know. Uh, I definitely love to host that on the show and, and get more information about turbines. I think, it, I think it'll be really interesting to see how this continues to kind of play into our industry as we go forward um, over the next, I don't know, however many years, <laughs> right? So, but I appreciate you being on the the show and, you know, the, the stuff that he just mentioned, we'll throw in the show notes. So, you know, his LinkedIn, his company's LinkedIn, and then also, you know, their website and the phone number and stuff. You can find all that in the show notes. Uh, hopefully that you don't have to write it down, especially if you're driving, <laughs> but uh, all that'll be down there as a resource to you. And, uh, Again, thanks so much, Taylor, for for being on the show. I really appreciate uh, your insight and you taking the time to to share all this with us. Absolutely, man. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me, man. I uh, I uh, support what you guys are doing and uh, look forward to uh, seeing how all this stuff works together. And, and hopefully the uh, the old markets that come back and 
we're able yeah. to uh, continue on the oil and gas industry. <laughs> Hopefully so, man. Well, yeah, thanks so much. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And like I said, you know, if you want to be on the show or have a suggestion or whatever, please reach out. And uh, everybody keep their head up, and we'll all pull through this together. Uh, I appreciate you guys listening, and have a safe and productive work week. Guys, stay safe. Take care.